Hi, and welcome to The Fit, the fashion, innovation, and technology podcast hosted by eFitter, personalizing the shopping experience for you. My name's Judith. And I'm Elizabeth. And on The Fit, we delve into the complex world of fashion and tech with insights from industry players, old and new, and much, much more. Join us every other Monday for a new episode you do not want to miss. To join the tribe, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at eFitter app, and join the conversation using the hashtag TheFitPod. On Saturday, we hosted our first ever event with our eFitter VIPs. Although it was still virtual, thanks Boris, we had such a great time. We gave them a preview into the product, which is a browser extension that finds your perfect fit. We played games and had a chat about all our retail-related woes. For this episode, we wanted to give you, our listeners, an insight into how the evening went, feedback on the product and brand, and tips on how you can also become a VIP. We've been all Zoomed out in the past year, so we decided to have a Zoom party with a difference. And no bias, but it's definitely the best one that either of us have been to. I don't know about you, Judith, but for me, it was just such a delight to hear that some of the things that we post on our social media or the conversations that we have on our podcast have actually made an impact to the way that people shop. And um, I don't know, I just feel like we should take great pride in the community that we've built because it was a group of people who who didn't know each other at all and it was just such a great evening. Yeah for me it was a really really feel-good moment to just be in a room of women that cared about things like you know finding your perfect fit and we all share the same journey but also on another level it was also nice to hear about our brand itself, how people loved engaging with us, how the podcast as well was a perfect medium for them to learn without feeling like they're learning. That was something that I really, really love to hear. Here's what our VIPs had to say about the eFitter brand. I think customer-centric, which is something that you guys have um, highlighted, the fact that you always put like what we can do and what we need to do, what we need to know. um, And just sort of like, I always feel like knowledge is power, right? So giving us the information for us to be able to make better decisions about shopping, um, which we may or may not have known before. The reason why I engage is personally because of the marketing and the branding. I think it's solid and it kind of like, if you see any eFitter post anywhere, you know that it's eFitter. So I think for me, that helps it stand out. And then also the podcast, being in lockdown and like having to go for walks and trying to find something to do, for me, having the podcast on actually helps and just like, you know, take a break from work get informed like your posts are very quick to the point you can get the information that you need and for me who's someone that loves fashion and loves to buy stuff I have never really thought about the sustainability side and all of the effects of that and since following EFIS I'm actually a, a lot more conscious about that so yeah that's why I engage with it What's kept me here, yeah, um, is because I don't feel like I'm learning, even though I'm learning. I appreciate that. It's just easy. It's just like, I feel like I'm in a conversation with you guys when I'm listening to the podcast. It's just, it's just nice, you know? It doesn't feel like, oh, it's information overload. Um, it just, It's just nice to listen to. I love it. I'm not really into fashion, but like, I just like that I know a bit more of what's going on just for my own awareness sake. Now, it's just like, okay, I want to be able to just buy just small, small pieces like once something I know I'm gonna wear all the time, um, but also that's also good quality. Um, I just finding the balance of it all. Um, and you guys take a very nuanced approach as well, which I appreciate. Um, you don't demonize people that may not be able to get there yet. It's very like understanding. Um, you approach it with empathy. 
Joy wasn't the only VIP who hadn't considered sustainability when shopping online. Here is what Alexis had to say. I think the whole sort of green fashion community, it can feel a little bit, it's not one that I would say I'm necessarily part of. And that's not, maybe because it feels a bit intimidating. It feels a bit, historically, it's felt a bit judgy. It's felt a bit, oh my gosh, I can't believe you shop there. Or do you know what they, and it's like, some of us just don't know. Some of us thought we were doing a great job where we were, ordering loads of sizes and sending them back and making, instead of keeping them or throwing them all, do you know what I mean? Like, genuinely, we didn't know. And I think the way that your posts, they come across quite, it's cool that you didn't know, but FYI, this is really what's happening. Alexis, the thing that you said about it, um, about the sustainability in green world being judgy is something that we felt like we had to navigate as well, because a year ago, we didn't know all this stuff either. We didn't know about you know, how all the returns, or not all, but the majority of returns go to landfill and the impact of um, just our everyday purchases on the environment and also, you know, workers' rights and all of it. This is all new to us as well. And we figured that the way that we're learning about it, everyone else would be going through that same journey. Mm -hmm. So it's not on us to say, actually, you're, buy you're buying from the wrong shop because the reality is we buy what we can afford. If we were all like, you know, multimillionaires, we probably wouldn't buy our stuff from, you know, Primark, Zara, H&M? Probably not. But this is where we are. So we can't shame people for making those purchasing decisions. But all we can do is encourage people to just put in some thought as to what they're buying and why they're buying it. I literally found out, okay, not this year, it's 2021, last year about landfill. And I was as disgusted as every single one of you. But we learn and it does factor into how we behave now. And I think that's the most important thing. We'll be back to this conversation in a sec, but in the meantime, here's our take on what's happening in the world of fashion and tech. Audio app Clubhouse is poised to raise a new round of investment at a valuation of $1 billion. Back in May, it was valued at $100 million with around 1,500 active users. It now has over half a million users, but is still invite only and is not available on Android devices. This valuation has raised questions about whether it's too much too soon for an app that is yet to have mainstream reach. You know exactly what I'm going to say to this lady because um, we have spoken about black founders in tech specifically and the hurdles we have when it comes to fundraising. This is in the UK, this is in the US, it's, it's everywhere. Now, my thing with this is Clubhouse, I've used it, it's great, it's a great app. But my thing is, if the founders were black, are we saying that they would be valued at one billion without any form of monetization? Genuine question. I, I, I really want to know because this is where this is where it gets a bit frustrating. I think as black founders because we just know that if the tables were turned and it was different, a completely different situation, the valuation would be drastically lower. To be honest with you, um, for me, the black founder thing. That doesn't even, I don't even get to that point in terms of my frustrations of Clubhouse because there are just so many other issues. We're in this weird VC bubble where it's like, what are you actually meant to demonstrate before you get funding? Because the thing that they always tell us is, oh yeah, you've got to have traction. You've got to have a, re you've got to have a form of revenue. Um, back in, I think, May, Clubhouse was valued at what, 100K? Um, no, wait, wait, wait. 100 million? Yes, 100 million. Back in around May, Clubhouse was valued at around 100 million and they only had 1,500 active users. I don't think that is the level of traction that 
you know, that warrants that kind of valuation. And even now, they don't even have a million users. Yes, they're working their way up there, but they're not even there yet. Um, and I guess just anecdotally, I don't use Clubhouse at all because they're prejudicing its Android users and I have no interest <laughs> in getting an iPhone. So there's that. But what I've noticed is it seems like there's a little bit less engagement. It was kind of seen as, this, you know, um, safe haven. It was seen as like a safe space for people, for black women to talk about, you know, hair care, for people to talk about whatever they want to talk about. But people have started to realise that it's just another social media app, except there's arguably even less moderation. So it'll be very interesting to see how this growth, and by growth I mean user growth, because that's what we have to go by, continues and whether it does. German luxury e-commerce firm Mitarosa has made its debut on the New York Stock Exchange with a valuation of $3 billion. The brand, like many others, have taken advantage of the e-com boom and is planning to make the pivot and now sets its sights on becoming a household name in the US and Asia. Had you heard of Mitarosa before this article? And if you have, like, what context have you heard of them? I have, and just through Instagram influencers that I follow, they will do the occasional ad for them. But that's about it. And it has come up as an Instagram ad for me. Um, I have seen a couple issues, I think it was on Diet Prada with them. But that's about it. Like, I knew, I know who they are. I know how big they are as well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not really clued up on, on them. What's interesting to me is, um, obviously being a German brand, their market is majority European. And, you know, technically we are kind of still European-ish, but it doesn't, <laughs> they don't seem to have the same presence in the UK that they have in other European countries, mostly because we've got brands like Farfetch and Matches that do what they are trying to do. So given that they're listed now and their aims are to conquer the world, it'll be really interesting to see whether they even have the tech spec to match up with, you know, giants like Farfetch. Exactly. Exactly, and we did speak about Farfetch a couple weeks back now, I think, a couple episodes back, but we spoke about how well they've done in, um, in despite the pandemic and the recession. And what I find really interesting is luxury fashion, and not even just luxury, yeah, luxury fashion is really thriving despite everything going on. For a platform like MyTheresa to be at IPO stage is huge, and then to be valued at what, what is it, three billion? That's insane absolutely insane so i mean there is a pattern here but i do think it's, it's the bigger players and the ones that have huge huge market share in the fields that they are that are making the waves um financially that we didn't expect a lot of brands to do i mean we heard i think it was two weeks ago that poshmark also ipo'd with the same valuation so there is a trend here where these brands have been able to capitalize on the pandemic, which I find really interesting when you contrast them with a lot of the older designer or designer brands as opposed to marketplaces. Like we spoke about um, Ortega Veneta last or two weeks ago about how they've taken their social media presence offline. We've spoken previously about how designer brands are being very slow to move online. So maybe these marketplaces are doing what needs to be done to capitalize on how archaic some of these designer brands are and it might be a warning sign for them going forward if consumers choose to shop through the marketplaces or shop used clothes in the case of Poshmark rather than going directly to the source. I think it's just indicative of the fact that 
the way in which we buy from heritage brands or traditional heritage brands is changing drastically, um, which makes perfect sense. So these valuations, I wouldn't even say, may be a bit inflated, but I don't think they're that far-fetched. And yes, pun intended. It looks like Zara has started to use plus-size models on their website. The High Street favourite has met controversy in the past for claiming that their excess to XSL range accommodates the needs of their customers, even though their largest size is equivalent to a size 16 in other retailers. Twitter is speculating that this may mean a plus size range is on the horizon. Here's hoping. Funny enough, when we were in our breakout rooms on Saturday, the topic of Zara did come up and someone noticed how they had plus size models on their front page modeling the clothes. And there were, you know, there was speculation of, okay, does this mean that, you know, it's finally, finally, after how many years, going to be a plus size range or plus size um, sizes included in the standard range? Now, I said, and I still stand by this, yeah, maybe, you know, pigs do fly. They can fly, right? So I don't think they've actually added new sizes. I'd be very surprised if they did, but I think they've just, you know, represented the women that are excess XXL and XL, etc, etc. Um, I want them to prove me wrong. I really do. But we've been here. If you see like the tweets, <laughs> if you just type in Zara plus size, since 2017, this has been a speculation. It's 2021. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. Here's to hoping. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think that the models that we are seeing are simply wearing XXL <laughs> and there is no intention of rolling out any other sizes, which is really disappointing. And it's a real shame because the truth is for all of these brands that say that they have a sustainability agenda and they want to build it into their marketing, my opinion is the best way to do that is to launch a plus size range. And the reason I say that is um, you, there's lots of commentary on social media where a lot of plus size women say that the only places that they can actually get fashion in that price bracket is from PLT, Misguided, Boohoo, and you're not really going to shop at those shops for sustainability reasons. So really and truly, these brands like Zara and the like should really put their money where their mouth is. But I'm concerned that they're still part of that old way of thinking, which is that, oh, having plus size models is going to somehow tarnish their brand name or their image which is pathetic i think it's really insulting i think that this is a really easy change for them to make they're the biggest fashion retailer in the world if they wanted to roll this out tomorrow they could but they're choosing not to and it's a shame but i can't even see what we can do to incentivize them to do so after we showed our vips the plugin for the first time we had a chat about how online shops are currently tackling the sizing problem. Sometimes I'll get extra small, small, medium. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, because I know it sounds crazy, but I can never tell because it depends on the fit. What about if, like, yeah. and, and um, there was a, because usually I'm like an extra small, small. And then there was this shirt, like a shirt I bought from Zara. And then they recommended I get a medium. But I don't know where the data is coming from. I definitely agree, like with Netta Porter, it keeps coming up with I'm a size 10, like all 30, 36, like, like constantly, no matter what I buy, that's just what it says. Um, 
and I'm like and I have to keep manually changing just because like I've put in like these measurements and for me like I'm very much it depends on what like what type of thing I'm buying so if it's like tops or bottoms or whatever but it just doesn't like it just doesn't shift because I've put in my height and my weight and and x y z so the fact that it's kind of um I guess like machine learning it's based on what you've actually bought as opposed to what your standard size would be all of our VIPs and us could relate to the struggle of not knowing which size to buy. Abigail had a question about how eFitter deals with users who wear different sizes in tops and bottoms. For me, when I shop, I know that my top and my bottom sizes are completely different. Yeah. <laughs> so will the extension kind of, um, when it searches for your emails, will it identify like tops and bottoms and dresses and separate them? Absolutely. So I'm exactly the same, like on the top, I'm at least a size maybe two smaller than the bottom so with that in mind what we did was we designed it so um, it does exactly what you said so for example if we see um and you know how items have names and with Zara they tend to have quite specific names with H&M for example they have quite self-explanatory names so it may be called navy jumper and that's what H&M is called with Zara it may be called something a little bit more descriptive we're looking for certain keywords. So for example, t-shirt, then we know it's a top. Blazer counts as outerwear. Um, leggings count as trousers and so on. So we've categorized them as well. Um, it was a long and arduous process, but what we had to do was actually manually go through our top 10 um, retailers that we've seen that eFitter customers and similar would shop at. So like your ASOS, your Zara, PLT, Misguided, all of that put them all together and to make one massive size chart based on all of the different product types. So what should happen is if you're shopping t-shirt like we are on right now, you'll get a recommendation for a top. If you've never bought a t-shirt before, like one of the things that we found out when we were testing is that we didn't think about what would happen if someone has never bought that item before. So what we were working on at the moment is if I've never bought a t-shirt before, then it's going to fall back to outerwear. If I've never bought outerwear before, it's going to fall back to dress and so on. So if you've never bought that item before, your prediction will be less accurate, but it won't be plucked from the air. It will still be based on whatever your historic purchase is. It makes more sense because it stops me from buying two sizes. You know that annoying thing of having oh, to yeah. the post office to return something? Mm. They wait for the money to come back into your account. And it's just annoying. I think it's much more user-friendly. Like I like the gifts and stuff. It feels more like an enjoyable experience than just clicking through how old am I, how much do you weigh, how tall are you, etc. etc. And also those things don't work. <laughs> like they've had me buying things that are two sizes too big or three sizes too small. It doesn't work. So yeah, I'm definitely more excited about trying eFitter. I just wanted to say that I think it's an amazing idea, especially um, with how life is going and the industry and stuff. Everything is pretty much online. Pretty much having an online shopper that is, like you said, is going to be very personal to you. I think that is just really, really useful. A lot of these brands already kind of do this in terms of offering you size recommendations. This just sounds like a version that's, you know, 30 times better than what they're doing. To round up the conversation, we spoke with our community about why they decided to be part of the eFitter tribe. I really appreciate how much actual effort you guys put into like developing this like sometimes you support your friends because they're your friend but this is like actually brilliant like with the podcast and everything and like everyone said it's very informative and um also as a person who wasn't necessarily like into fashion 
and fashion news and all that kind of stuff this really helps to bring me into that and so it's not just like facts and figures it's also what's happening in the fashion world and I really appreciate that because like now I'm interested in it and what's happening and what's trending and why is it trending and who's it trending for um so I really enjoy like all that kind of material and so that's why I engage with it because it's like oh man fashion can be for me too like it's not necessarily like a I think for me it's more of the educational side especially on socials like you guys really educate me on just the whole industry I'm not really like a fashion babe that's not me at all but I like the fact that you guys give insight to just even fast fashion and transitioning from that fast fashion into things that are more sustainable better for the environment um companies actually pay their workers like I just think the educational side you guys have it on point and I just love like the things that you guys bring out to the followers and to the just the social media I think that's my fave thing ever and it's aesthetically pleasing as well which I absolutely love so yeah <laughs> up on that um do you think that what you've learned from the ether to social media has changed your buying habits yeah yeah literally I was thinking about it the other day I was literally because I was gonna buy something on boohoo I think no word of a lie it sounds like a muffling but I was gonna buy something on boohoo and then I was like this doesn't it actually didn't feel right in my body <laughs> and I was like let me not let me not let me not because it's very educational and I don't really think about these things sometimes if I want to buy something and something's trending I just want to go and instantly buy it or if I see a YouTuber that's influencing and they say hey buy this and I will think it will look nice on my body or whatever I would just want to go and buy it but because of the things that you guys are putting out it just makes me second think before I buy anything so yeah, it's very, very, very helpful and very practical as well. So I think one thing was a very common theme throughout the whole evening and that was community. We have spent so, so long when we like right at the beginning thought about branding and our marketing strategy, community was at the center of EFIT and everything we wanted EFIT to be and become. So it was so, so, I think, reassuring to have everyone that most didn't know each other come together and talk about, you know, their ways with shopping online, have a bit of banter, have a drink. Like, it was really, really nice. And I think this is our why. Like, our why is, yes, we want to help users be more aware of the environment. We want to help them you know, become more sustainable in their own way. But we also do want them to feel like part of a community and also relate to each other and with each other for the common problems that they have finding profit online. What I absolutely loved about the event is, like you said, it was a group of people who basically didn't know each other, but by the end of the evening felt comfortable, you know, playing games and just having a joke and a drink. And it was just a really great environment. And... What was telling is that obviously these are people who are from different parts of the UK, different backgrounds, but everyone shared the e-fitter, like community ethos, if you will. Like everyone was really open. Everyone was really reflective about their buying behaviours as well. And they were really willing to share. And I think there was an acknowledgement that, you know, we're all learning and we're all growing and no one's perfect. Obviously, when we started working together in what November 2019, we thought we'd be able to have a physical launch party, but you know, the pandemic 
threw that completely out the window. So we were determined to have a really great launch regardless. And it was, it was brilliant. So, you know, we put together little party bags. We had um, prizes for a little quiz. It was just a great experience. And it was nice to actually spend time with people in an evening like that. It was, it was just a really fun evening. Whether our VIPs were beta testers or they post frequently on social media, the one thing that they all had in common is that they were bought into Ether to the brand. We have really been invested in building our community because we realized that from a business standpoint, our community is our audience who are our customers, but it's also just nice to have a group of people to kind of share knowledge with and people who you can just get along with on a Saturday evening like we did. So we would encourage you that if, you, if you're interested in what we discuss on the podcast or what we say on social media, engage with us. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. As ever, we'd love to see your reviews, what you learned, or even what you may do differently in terms of your buying habits. So keep us in the loop. Your word of mouth is so, so valuable. Um, and this does mean that the VIP community can continue to grow and the eFitter one in general um, as we launch. So yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Fit. For more updates, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at eFitterApp or follow us with the hashtag TheFitPod. Don't forget to like us, rate us, comment, engage however you listen to your podcasts. It's really important for us so that we can get the word out there. See you soon. Bye.